This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Phillies Backstage. I am Tom Burgoyne, joined by John Brazier. It's a beautiful day. We're getting ready for opening day here in Philadelphia, John. We had a great time in Florida, but it's good to be home. Great to be home, uh, especially now of our next guest, because, Tom, right now we have uh, the third. So one of us has the second best voice, and the other person has the third best voice, because the best voice is going to be our guest. Time out. Who has the second best voice? I don't know yet. (laughs) We'll leave that up to the audience. Or we could leave it up to our guest. (laughs) Why don't you introduce our guest? <laughs> there he is. And, and, look, and see, I, I do that. See, Kane, we're going to talk about that because that's what happens. I mean, we walk around here and we talk about, uh, you know, your father all the time. We have Kane Callis with us. Thanks for being here, Kane. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Now, are you guys, when we're talking about the second or third best voice, are we talking <laughs> speaking voice or singing voice? What are, <laughs> well, if we're going to go singing voice. I don't know, Tom. What's your singing voice? Me, I, me, me, me. How's that? I'm a pretty good That's shower singer. Yeah. I'm a pretty good shower singer. And I've done karaoke. And I got my job because I did, I imitated John Belushi doing Joe Cocker's Feeling All Right <laughs> at a wedding. So I think I'm going to give myself singing voice second. Right. I wow. think I think we both uh, can agree we both have uh, faces for, for radio. radio. Right. So uh, I think that's how that goes. But yeah, Kane, I was saying, I mean... Uh, it's great to have you here. Uh, we're going to talk about kind of your long history now uh, with the Phillies and uh, and also what you have going on. Um, you have an album coming out, which is really exciting. And uh, John, he just gave us free copies of it. And it's really, really professionally done. And uh, we've heard Kane sing, so we know the tunes are going to be good. But uh, this is going to be cool. It's going to be very cool. Um, but you, you said earlier, like, Kane, we, yes. I'm telling you, every day, myself, right. Scott Brandreth, Burgoyne, if Video Dan comes through, we do your father like it, 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 nonstop. Yeah, right? it could be and, anything and around the house, and uh, you know. So I was getting ready to introduce you, but that's how I would normally do it anyway right. in Harry's voice. I mean, know? you can't say Mickey like, Morandini without when right. Mickey Morandini comes down the hallway. You can't not do your dad. So that's true. Do you yeah. imitate your dad? A little. You know, when I see Mickey, I go Mickey. Morundini, you know, <laughs> right. you, you have to, you right. have to. How about any, anything else? You ever say like, out of here? Uh, yeah, I do. I do. Um, there's all <laughs> sorts of phrases that, yeah. that I, I find myself, you, you know, one thing my dad would do and, uh, you know, this gets back to ties into the album is, you know, especially with names, I'd introduce him to like, hey, hey, dad, here's my friend Nathan. And he'd go, good old reliable Nathan. <laughs> Nathan. Like, every, he had a song. <laughs> Breaking the song. He had that a is song. So great. Everybody, every situation, every name. It was great. Uh, well, I mean, uh, and for you, Kane, growing up, uh, I mean, was that difficult for you that, uh, you know, you were, uh, your father was such a, you know, beloved f- figure and, you know, people would just start 
imitating him maybe <laughs> when he, they're meeting you or I mean was that was there any uncomfortableness there it was it was interesting because I didn't really realize what a big deal you know he was to the community until I was like in my early teens and when you're in your early teens everything your parents do kind of embarrasses right? you yes, right exactly so I, I was I remember one time we were at um a uh, hibachi restaurant a teppanyaki uh, restaurant in Springfield and I noticed, you know, we sat down at the table. It was me, my friend, and my dad. And I noticed that the people at the table kind of recognized my dad, right? And then at the end of everything, the uh, the chef finishes, and my dad stands up and starts to give the guy a standing ovation. And the people at the table are like, oh, Harry's standing. And they stand up. And then people at the table behind us are like, oh, Harry's standing up. And they stand up. All of a sudden, 30 tables at the restaurant are all giving this guy a standing ovation. Of of course, the the chef doesn't know who my dad is. So he's like, oh, thank you. You know, he thought it was uh, the performance of a lifetime. So your dad is like Taft, because Taft, I think it was Taft, that he stood up for the, uh, for take me out to the ball game uh, for the seventh inning stretch. And everyone else stood up for the seventh inning stretch because the president (laughs) stood up and that became a tradition. So really? Yes. I didn't know that. That, that, it's very much like the Hallelujah Chorus, um, Handel's Hallelujah Chorus. Uh, the king at the time was just so moved uh, by hearing um, the Hallelujah Chorus in, in Handel's Messiah that he stood up, and then everybody's like, oh, the king's standing up. So they stood up, so now it's a tradition when you go you know, listen to the Messiah uh, for everybody to stand up during the Hallelujah yeah. Chorus. Well, I got to ask too, Kane. I mean, how gratifying is it for you now to be part of this Phillies tradition? Oh, it's great. I mean, this will be my eighth consecutive year doing uh, opening day, singing the anthem at opening day. Of course, I've sung, uh, you know, many times other than that when we make the playoffs. Uh, last year when we made the World Series, that was just awesome to, to sing there. Um, but it's great. It's great to come back and just to see how everybody so warmly remembers my dad, you know, and it's, it's, it's now been almost 14 years since his passing, but he's still very much, his memory is very much a part of this organization. And my favorite part is, is to just be at the home games, you know, I have an extra incentive to root for that win because we get to see my dad singing high hopes, uh, on the jumbotron still, which is great. Now, does it get emotional that you're singing the national anthem, you know, we're taping this on Tuesday, so we haven't had opening day yet, but you've done it in the past right in front of your dad's statue. So does that get emotional doing it in front of your dad's statue? Yeah, it does. And um, I used to sing on the field, and I'm glad that, that I now sing out in, in the outfield by my dad's statue because it's special to be next to him and looking up to my dad, you know, like I always have. And the statue itself, I mean, the way that it came about, right, this grassroots kind of gift from the fans – I mean, that really ties into, you know, just how my dad touched everybody in Philadelphia. And to this day, it's, it's, it's nice to me to be in the city and to have people come up to me telling me how my dad touched them or how it, uh, my dad's broadcasting brought them closer with their family or with their dad. Yeah, that's awesome. And the, uh, you know, you're talking about the, the games that you're here, Kane, you know, are really the, the exciting you know, games, a lot of juice in, in the air, right? Because it's opening day or it's a, it's a playoff game. Uh, what do you remember? I know you did game three of the World Series. I mean, could you sense a little, were you, did you give it a little bit more oomph knowing that, <laughs> you know, it's the World Series? I did. I did. <laughs> and uh, in fact, so, you know, I, when I do these things, I, I, I normally come pretty buttoned up. And for that game, you know, I really, it was a World Series and I, was really rooting on my team and so I wanted to wear my Phillies jersey but I also wanted to pay tribute to of course our, our country so I came wearing a suit but then at the end of the at the end of the song 
I kind of ripped off my shirt exposing right. my Phillies yes. jersey right. because, uh, you know, I'm a Phillies fan. I was rooting <laughs> for them to win. We were down 2-1. Unfortunately, we didn't come back and, and yeah. win that game. I mean, those those Astros are a tough are a tough out. Well, and it's also interesting that your brother is the announcer for the Astros. He is the announcer. Traitor. He, Traitor. I used to like that guy, John. <laughs> Todd Cows. He, he is the announcer for the Astros. And, uh, you know, so he does have the bragging rights uh, right now. But let's remember, he was also the broadcaster for the Tampa Rays right. when we beat them in, in 08. Now, your first broadcasting experience, if I, <laughs> I don't know how old you were, but I remember... I oh, think, boy. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about this. Always. It's a, it always comes it's up. It's a podcast. <laughs> we, have to, we have to delve into it. It <laughs> always comes up. It actually up. was a really cute... I'm going to call it a cute <laughs> moment, right? Um, maybe not for you, but it was... Oh, but it was you, fun. You got in there and, and you were in there with... With, was it Todd and Brad? I was in there with Todd and Brad, my father, and, and L.A., and right. Larry Anderson, and they put me on play-by-play. But how old are you been, at this point? I'm 33. At the time, no. I must have been 11. Right, I was going to say. Yeah, you were, this was yeah, right, real, 22 like six, years old. You're probably in sixth well, grade. Well, it was Paul Hulse's rookie season, right? right? And so, oh, he was a rookie that year. When he you, was a rookie. When you were in the booth. Okay, all right. So well, I'll, was, I'll give you that one, Kate. Right. You know, he, but he, he was <laughs> well, obviously a good It doesn't rookie. matter. He's 11 years old. Uh, he gets a total no, pass. Of course. Well, and, and so my dad says, and who's the better now, Kane? And I look down, <laughs> and it, you know, I go, the batter is Albert Pajolis. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he set you up. Well, and then, so, so for the rest of my, you know, as I'm growing up, I'm just like, man, I hope this guy doesn't turn out to be a <laughs> yeah, right. like, you know, come All on, right. just tank it, you know, uh, like just be a be a fly by night nobody, so people don't remember the story. Of course, he turns out to be I one mean, of the greatest give, players. He, he couldn't give you like a Will time. Smith, uh, right, right. Or Barry Bonds, you know, exactly. Like, yeah. right. I wonder, did Harry ever uh, approach Albert and say, you know, my son introduced you uh, on the air as Pujolis? What am I? I'm sure he did. But, uh, we all have a million Harry stories, and again. We're going to get into your life, but just uh, one time I had to, he used to sing uh, during the off season uh, around the holiday time, he'd go to retirement communities and sing Christmas songs. So I picked him up at your uh, house in media and we were on our way to the retirement home. And I said, Harry, do you like doing this? And I knew the answer, but it was somewhat of a rhetorical question. And he said, he said, Brage, I like, uh," he says, I like doing the songs, but it's the, uh," he said something like, I don't like the secular songs. I like the more spiritual uh, Christmas songs, which I'm probably sure you heard that too. So, and he, and he singled out, he said, you know, I said, for example, it would like, what song? he's like, I, I'm not a big fan of Jingle Bells. <laughs> right? Yeah, so, right, right. so I go to the retirement community. <laughs> Next thing you know, he's taking requests and he's singing Harky, yeah, 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 Hark yeah. the Herald Angels Sing. He's singing all the, you know, come all you faithful and all that. And then someone says, hey, Harry, can you sing Jingle Bells? <laughs> and he looks over at me with yeah. this, like, this disgusted look. <laughs> disgusted. And, then, and then he turns back with a big smile. He's like, Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> that is funny. You know, there's uh, still a video on YouTube that I watch every Christmas of uh, my father um, uh, reading uh, the book the night before Christmas, and it's right. it's just so touching to me to to turn that on, hear my father's voice, um, you know, reading that book. Uh, he he makes a nod to to Whitey in 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 the in his rendition of the of the story, and it's it's great. So was it extra dramatic when he did that to you as a kid? I mean, you're a kid, right? Did he read that? I'm sure he read it to you, right, for around Christmas time. I mean, anything that my father said <laughs> right. was extra dramatic, <laughs> right? right? right. Be, uh, people ask me, you know, when you're in the broadcasting business, you get asked, you know, did your dad kind of put on a voice? And no, that was his voice. Like, he just had an amazing speaking voice. Both he and my brother 
uh, Todd. Yeah. And I remember. And yourself, obviously. Well, thank you. But I, I remember growing up, we'd be at like a, a steakhouse and I'm like, you know what? I think I'm, I think I'm going to get the salmon. And, but then my dad would order, I'll take the ribeye medium rare. And I'm like, man, the ribeye sounds good. <laughs> and when he says it, it sounds <laughs> good. Yeah. And then Todd's like, I'll take the lobster. I'm like, I want lobster. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I wonder how many uh, people's voicemail messages have oh, your dad on it, right? I mean, yeah. how many times did your dad, I saw it personally. I'm sure you did too. Oh Tom. yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure you did. Obviously, too, Kane, where they say, Harry, can you can you record a voicemail message? You know, and it was always like, you know, this the Johnsons aren't here right now. They're on a long drive. drive. They're out of here. They're a childhood friend message. of mine, uh, Michael is his name, got my dad to do that. Must have been, you know, 20 years ago. And he's now a partner at KPMG in, um, in Georgia. And so everybody out there is a Braves fan. He still has the voicemail <laughs> yeah. to this day. And everybody's like, you know, Michael, what's your voice? You know, <laughs> and he, he, he explains it. to That them. is so, great. Yeah. And it yeah. lasted. I remember being at a Bruce Springsteen concert and he, uh, Bruce came up on stage. I don't know if you were there, Kane. And uh, he played a recording of uh, of your dad. Uh, I forget what it was. It was like a that falls out or, or introducing Bruce or something. And uh, Bruce played it for the audience. Audience goes crazy. And uh, then he does. This is for Harry. And he uh, did uh, Thunder Road to start the concert. But yeah. it's also got awesome. you, you mentioned earlier when we win, you know, you have your dad singing high hopes i mean is that is it, that's got to be an emotional moment too because obviously we just win it's I and mean, there you're seeing your father who passed away 14 years ago does that bring back you know hopefully it brings back great memories and you know seeing your dad out there and being honored every game oh yeah when I we mean, win i mean i i've always stayed until the end of the game but now i have extra right. incentive to stay until the end of the game i mean it doesn't even matter we could be down eight runs in the ninth inning if I if there's some chance we're going to come back and I'm going to get to see my dad on the big screen, you know, it, it's always it's yeah. always touching and always always emotional for me. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Yeah, and uh, you, we're talking about Harry's speaking voice, but, you know, he, he even knew, well, uh, he knew he didn't have a great singing voice, but that never stopped him from singing. And I know uh, Lefty O'Doul's was his <laughs> I favorite. I just about to say that. <laughs> was his favorite piano bar in San Francisco. San Francisco. Uh, did you ever go there, Kane? No, yeah, I never. Because it closed, it closed some years ago, but uh, Madeline was the piano player. And I just remember, you know, always hanging out with Harry. 
Larry and a lot of the guys after just about every home game came, we would, we would have a group up in the press club and uh, it was great for years hanging out. And uh, I would just hear nothing but lefty duels, lefty duels. So I finally got the opportunity to go to San Francisco, go out there. I'm waiting, waiting. And because uh, like, after the game, everybody's going to come lefty duels. I'm just about to leave. Cause I was like, man, they're not, I guess they're not coming, but you know, there, there was a bay window. The piano was in the bay window and I'm just about to leave up uh, a, a taxi uh, pulls up. Harry steps out and I'm like, yes, uh, we both sit at the bar at, or at the uh, piano. And then about uh, 10 other like, you know, staff and a couple players showed up and we closed the place down and uh, Harry sang a couple songs. I sang a couple songs. Uh, what, what songs do you remember him singing? Uh, I'm trying. He did On, on the, the Way to Cape May. All the time, right? Yeah. And I'm trying to think what That's, else. Uh, track, track four on my Track album. four. On, there on it the is. Way. I know. I hear that song. I heard that song more than any other song <laughs> is that right? growing up. And I was watching uh, recently a WHYY documentary about my dad. And they were just yeah. capturing some B-roll. Um, of my dad just walking down a hall and sure enough on the way to Cape you know he's just singing it well and the uh, the CD is called High Hopes and High Hopes in particular uh, I remember when we were uh, celebrating Harry's I guess it was his 30th year it was the night we gave out the Talking Harry doll and uh, it was one of the best giveaways ever best giveaway and we had a pregame tribute to Harry and we wanted everybody to sing uh, High Hopes and we were going to put the the lyrics on the board well, we look up the lyrics and say, like, uh, this isn't how Harry sings. It's so L.A., literally on the back of a, a cocktail napkin, starts writing down and we start editing the actual words because Harry's, he had his own, right. basically his own rendition. And that's what the city of Philadelphia knows. Not the actual words of the song, but, yeah. uh, you know, the Harry version. Uh, on this track here on the CD, Kane, is it is it the actual version or is it your dad's version? Well, you know what <laughs> you know what's interesting about that is, you know, when you're making an album like that you got to get rights to the song right and I um, asked for rights to do my own lyrics was actually denied so it is the Uh, traditional Sinatra Ah. version but what's amazing about uh, our version of High Hopes is we have the Phillies members of the Phillies boys choir Ah. coming in to uh, to do it with me and so we we capture that traditional Sinatra vibe but you know, I also, of course, am influenced by my father's rendition and his performance, and you can you can hear that in my vocals. And the Philadelphia, you say the Philadelphia Boys Choir, yeah, is also oh, what a yeah. great nod to them. So we you got, know, they got them on there. We also have yes. local comedian Joe Conklin, okay, an appearance on the album. He's in the song "Guys and Dolls." Guys and Dolls, who, nice. who did a pretty good imp- impression of your dad. He does, right? and and you can hear in his "Guys and Dolls," he's kind of doing a nod to my dad yeah, right. as well, the way he sings it. So. And then also the Diva Jazz Orchestra. The Diva Jazz Orchestra made up the rhythm section and they're a, a you know a great uh, jazz group uh, they play in new york uh, philadelphia all around the tri-state area what one other before we get back into the album one other great moment uh that i'll always remember is the first game back after 9 11 we played the braves right yep. and all of us after the game went up to the press box in the press box we uh, oftentimes a lot of front office people cameramen uh, the other announcers we'd all wait for traffic to go to um, thin out. And was we, that the only reason we'd go up to the press club after <laughs> well, the game? Also, Fred, <laughs> that's what we would tell our wives. And also, our, oh, we had a, the traffic was really bad. We had to wait out the traffic. Well, and also we had a keg up there, and Freddie <laughs> exactly. would, would, would service up there. But your dad was a fixture up there. You, you'd want to wait out traffic, so we had a big group. And again, it was a very emotional game because the yeah. first game back from 9/11. And I remember there was probably about 20 of us in there. And your dad stood up and said, everybody, stand up and grab the hand uh, next to you. And everyone's holding hands. 
and your dad led everybody into a very, and he was crying in a very yeah, yeah. emotional uh, version of God Bless America. Yeah, I'll well, never, of course. never, ever forget that. Harry started out that broadcast with, uh, you know, some great words for the Philly fans and how we have to get back to normal. And, uh, you know, that tape certainly uh, has lived on. Uh, and if we're going to get emotional here, uh, I saw Kane earlier and noticed that Bridge Over Trouble Waters is on here, too. And I can't think of that song anymore. And I love Simon Garfunkel. And uh, But when I hear that, I always think of uh, them playing that, certainly, at your dad's memorial. That was quite... Uh, you know, quite a day, wasn't it? It was, it was. He told, he always told me, Todd and Brad, my brothers, that when he reached his final resting place, that's the song he wanted to be Hmm. played. So that, that has a super special meaning, obviously to him, to me, to the entire family. His favorite song in the world was Edelweiss, uh, which is Rogers and Hammerstein. That one's on there. So there's some really emotional, emotional pieces on there. But speaking about that 9-11 broadcast, I mean, that you know, if you want to see raw emotion from my father, I remember watching that. And he was just so struck by that moment. And because my father always saw the good in people and the good in everybody. Yep. And his thing was just, you know, love thy neighbor, you know, and he loved everybody who came into his life. And so it, it was it was shocking to him. And I think that he um, really conveyed just the emotions that we all were feeling just so well in that moment. I mean, what made my father a great sportscaster was his ability to connect emotionally to the fans. And how was he able to do that? Because he felt the same thing that they felt doing it for so many years. He was just a Phillies fan. And if I missed the game, right, and my dad got home, I would know the minute he walked in the door, whether we won or lost, right. you know? Yeah. And that's what made him such a great sportscaster. And I think even in, in that moment, after 9-11, he was conveying what we all were. Right, know? yeah. The, the shock, um, the, the gratitude for our first responders, you know, he, he captured it all. And yeah, he did. And he had such a great rapport. You know, right now we have Fransky in L.A., and those guys are this generation's uh, Whitey and, and Harry. Yeah. Right? Because they, they, they were, you could tell they were friends. You could tell they had deep admiration and respect for each other. They had tons of fun together. Uh, you, know, you could tell on the broadcast that they spent a lot of time off the broadcast with each other, just like L.A. and Francie. So it's, and uh, Scott has a, a certain minimalist uh, approach to broadcasting, which Harry certainly did too. Not a lot, not too much talking. I think Philadelphia sports fans, you know, I think they're savvy enough to, you don't have to be talking all the time. And, and you know, dead, dead air can be good. Scott, I think, has that rhythm down that is very similar, I think. And could Harry's. set up the other guy. Oh, for like sure. Harry yeah, could yeah, set yeah. up no Whitey question. and then just like LA, or Francie can set up L.A. So yeah. it's... Uh, a true treasure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if I wonder if your dad ever met, because Art Garfunkel is a big Phillies fan. He sang the National Anthem a bunch of times here at the Phillies games, and I've had him around, and I'm, you know, I, I guess, I wonder, yeah, I wonder if I, I ever know. knew that when he was, uh, even he Art, had to have, right? He had to have, right? Yeah. He had to have met him. Yeah. But I don't, but now I'm, I'm trying to think that. I, don't, I can't remember any specific time where he did. When but. he met, maybe when he came in to do a national anthem, I'm not sure either. Mm. But uh, you were talking about, too, connecting with the fans. And, and uh, I think it was 1976. Phillies make the the playoffs for the first time since the 64. You know, uh, your dad started here in 71. And, you know, that, that first time Harry went into the clubhouse to interview the players and is being drenched in champagne and is, mm-hmm. you know, 
part tears of joy and part eyes stinging because of the champagne. But, you know, I right then and there, I think it just really solidified like, oh, Harry loves this team. He's one of us. And he's the kind of guy, you know, you'd want to have a beer with. But Absolutely. Yeah. 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 No All right. So let, let's go into your career because you have a, you are talking about a renaissance, man. He does it all. Uh, I, I have a feeling that if Kane, if all of a sudden someone said, Kane, you should try uh, bareback horseback riding. Right? He, would, he would be one of the top bareback riders in the country. Uh, I don't know about that. Well, yeah. seen Do we you, really want to see that? I've guy. seen you bowl, right? <laughs> and you are an outstanding oh, yeah. bowler. Uh, you take up poker, and then all of a sudden you're on the poker tour, and we'll get into all this. Broadway you, shows. Broadway shows. You you trained, I believe, in Italy, right, to be a classically trained opera singer, yeah. right? So what? tell us about, like, when you were in high school, what were you thinking as far as what you wanted to do as a career? Were that, any, that, any of those things factor in? Yeah, at that point, uh, I wanted to be an opera singer. I wanted to either be an opera singer or a sportscaster. Um, but my focus was on opera singing. I, I knew that it wasn't an easy way to make a living, right? But that's kind of where the music background came from. And it started actually when I was in middle school because I went to a small private middle school and they forced you to be part of the musical because they, otherwise they wouldn't have enough people to put on, put on a musical. I'm like, well, if they're going to force me to do it, I might as well do it well. And I went and found a, a voice teacher. It turns out he was a, a classically trained tenor. And um, it just really stuck with me. And so that by the time I got to high school, I'm like, I want to pursue classical music. And then, of course, I started to go to college. And, you know, I had to have some financial independence at that point. I'm like, well, I need to make some money. Let's try poker. And uh, so by the time... Were you good at poker at that point? Or did you say, I'm going to learn it and be good at it? I actually started started playing when I was a senior in high school. And um, I... I started really studying it at that point. And then by the time it was freshman orientation in college, I decided that when I got, when I got to college, I was going to really concentrate on, on doing it full time. On Texas gonna, Hold'em. Texas, at that point, I was only playing Texas Hold'em, and I was going to see basically if it can work. And I went to a college um, with, you know, I'd, I'd made as a senior in high school maybe $20,000 or so that I invested in college. And I'm like, i this is going to be what I do. I'm going to do this, you know, 40, 50 hours a week. And within a couple months of, of being there, I was playing the highest stakes games online. Hmm. I, I mean, it, it just it just stuck really fast. And the thing hmm. that got me to that level is I recognized early on that, first of all, you got to put time in off the felt, right? And at that time, it was mostly watching training videos um, that, that helped me get to that level. But number two, I always checked my ego at the door. I, I tried to play in really good games. Um, so back then, there was a website where you could track player statistics. And I would sit at every one-on-one table, every heads-up table in the lobby. And when somebody sat against me, I would look them up on this other website. And if they were a winning player, I'd just sit out and say, no, thank you. And I'd just wait for the guy who's down, you know, a lot of money consistently. And those were the guys I played. And, um, you know, those sites aren't around anymore. But uh, back then, that was, a, that was a good strategy to, to do things. And, of course, now poker is so much more competitive than it was then. I mean, there are 100 people doing the same thing I was doing back then. So in order to continue to make money playing poker, I had to learn, you know, years ago how to compete against some of the best players in the world and how to compete not just in Texas Hold'em, but in Palo in Omaha, mixed games, short deck No Limit Hold'em, which I made a whole training course for. Hmm. So, yeah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. How's your math skills? Do you need math skills when you're playing poker? Of course you need math skills. Definitely helps. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you also need some mental skills as far as reading people, right? You know, you to see what their tells are, what their sign, whether whether they're you think that they're panicking underneath when they're look, trying to look calm. Exactly. So the when people think about reading their opponent, most people think of the body language, right? Which is obviously a big part of it, especially when you're playing live poker. But that's just one part of it. The main thing that I use to read my opponents is frequencies. Are th- what percentage of the time when they show up at the river are they are they bluffing? You know, what percentage of the time are they value betting? So it's more the math, but you use that math to get your reads. And you really got to start with fundamentals. What percentage of the time should he be bluffing on the river? If the pot's $100 and he bets 100 how often should he be bluffing there? And then if he's bluffing too much or too little, you can use that to kind of determine what you're going to do against that player. And then, of course, when you get into the live scene, then we can get into the live tells, which is normally more applicable to when you're playing amateurs. Because if you're a professional, you're playing other professionals, most of the time they have that stuff kind of sealed off and buttoned up. I would think. But when you're at the World Series of Poker, let's say, you know, when I I made uh, a deep run in the World Series of Poker main event, um, when I was 25, I, I placed 115th in the main event. I mean, these are people who maybe it's their first time playing the main event. They're playing for more money than they've ever played for in their life. So, of course, yeah. that emotion right. is going to... You see a, a trickle of sweat come down the guy's far as, oh, okay. And it's not just in the hand. You can <laughs> right, tell right. based on talking to the people, you know, kind of what their background is, how they're feeling about this main event, whether they're just trying to ladder up to the next pay jump, or whether at this point they feel like they're playing with the house's money and they're yeah. just going to play crazy. As a professional poker player, you're trying to size up your opponent every step of the way. You know, I want to know you know, uh, how they're feeling about being in that tournament. I want to know whether they're, they've stayed in Vegas the whole summer, whether they just came out there. I want to know what they ate for breakfast, you know? Yeah. And that kind of gets me in the headspace of, is this well, guy going to run you go, a big bluff again? Can you go back and look like instant replay you know, in sports? So when someone is bluffing, right? And then, uh, can you go back and see, like, is there a video right. where you or can like go back and say, all right, here's his, here's his look when he had okay. nothing. And he's basically was betting like he had, you know, full house. But did you go back like in video, just like, again, a batter or Chase Utley would size up a pitcher and say, that's his tell. He's coming with a changeup in the two. Or not necessarily the tell. Or can you go back to the analytics and say, oh, oh, this guy in the past has, you know, bluffed in these situations. So you're you're studying past performance, basically. It's it's mostly the analytics. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, what's um, fortunate or unfortunate, depending on how you look at it, it's fortunate for me as a professional is that. There's not a huge data set. If you went to look for all the hands that Kane Callis has played right. um, at a televised table, you're not going to be able to get a too great of a statistical profile on me because they're showing everybody. They're- well, they're showing everybody. There's not you know thousands of hands. But if you've played with somebody online, on the other hand, like there are some people I've played with online, I have tens of thousands. Uh, maybe even a hundred thousand hands on on certain players, right. so that can really get you a statistically significant sample to judge uh, what they're going to do. But then, uh, to your point, John, yeah, you can look for certain live tells. And what I actually like to do is, you know, people ask me basically, how can I tell if my opponent's bluffing, right? And I say the most important thing is to figure out what they're acting like when they're not bluffing, actually when they're value betting, because as humans 
we when we lie, we don't tend to lie in one specific way. We can lie in 10 different ways. But when we're being honest, we tend to be honest in almost always the same mm-hmm. way. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you know the way they're being honest hmm. and then they do something oh, different, that's interesting. Right. you can tell if they're bluffing when they're, when they're doing that. Wow. Well, the math got me. <laughs> I'd be out. <laughs> Put it this way, Kane. Tom and I went to, went to uh, we were in Puerto Rico probably about 20 years ago, and they gave us a little uh, spending money, right? Yeah, I was, Fanatic was out there as part of a charity uh, softball tournament. And so I think we had like, let's say a hundred bucks, right? So we said, all right, let's go. And we were staying at a casino. Yes. We said, let's go to the casino. <laughs> I said, Tom, what do you want to do? Should we play blackjack? Should we play craps? What should we do? And I don't know whose idea. Someone said, let's put it all on black or red. Of course. And we'll double our money and yeah. then, then we'll go from there. Yeah. Well, we, we, we put it all we, on we, black and went, we walked and went, in well, and we walked out. out. <laughs> well, then we ended up watching, you know, yeah. everybody else, Roberto Alomar and yeah. everybody else. Sat in the lobby of the money. hotel and just right. watched everybody so else. Our gambling career uh, <laughs> was short. Yeah, that's right. Well, we I, ex- I, I live in Puerto Rico now. What was the hotel? La Contra? No, it was uh, El Old San Juan. Right? Juan uh, El San Juan. Yeah. El San Juan. El San Juan. Great Which hotel. on Saturday nights, they had this uh, nightclub, Ugh. and there was a line to get into the lobby of the nightclub. Yeah. And yes, and all the greatest Latino players were part of that. Uh, right. The Canseco's, the Alamars. It was, it was a scene. It was just as much fun just sitting in that lobby, smoking hand rolls cigars right. right john they were rolling them right there and watching the world so go by it was a pretty ten, cool 10 minute walk for me to get there. Is that right yep. yeah and the coffee classic. the coffee is fantastic in puerto rico really good yeah uh but there's a alto grande i think was the brand i loved over there so uh one other thing i wanted to uh ask uh, uh, thank you uh, john and i are both uh uh involved with the Darren Dalton Foundation. And uh, I know over the years, you uh, actually just this past year, you were uh, you sang High Hopes at the Celebrity Bartending event. You golfed. Um, and it's funny, uh, y- you were only four years old when the Phillies won in 93. So you probably don't remember Darren that much, but uh, um, really appreciate, you know, some of the things you've done for the Darren Dalton Foundation. Oh, I mean, it's such an amazing foundation. And Brett Dotto over there does a, mm-hmm. does a great job. And yeah, I did sing uh, High Hopes. And I guess what you can call what I did on the course golfing i don't know another do you ever do karaoke like do you ever have you ever randomly done karaoke or i i enjoy karaoke yeah, when i get out with with friends and, okay uh, what's your go-to i i can do some piano man billy joel ah, that's go. a good one and sway go. michael buble so okay yeah all right that's not part of your quiz is it john no are we ready for the quiz <laughs> yeah let's do it let's hit him up all right does kane know He's getting quizzed. Well, Kane, no, we didn't tell him. There, uh, you have a quiz, eight questions, okay. multiple choice. It's all in your area of expertise, right? Um, so you have to get six out of eight, okay? And if you get six out of eight, go ahead, John. You will, I know be, what the, you're you will say. be the first one. Go ahead to get thanks to Scott Soften, right? Yeah, from Clothing Scott, right? Clothing Scott. B2 Worldwide, uh, you will be getting a f- official, this is literally hot off the press. It is. This Phillies backstage, we're going in Brazier, red t-shirt with our logo that you see when you when you pull up our podcast. Uh, you're going to be the first one to have this shirt outside of Tom and myself. Oof. So, John, I've never played for these high stakes. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle this. Tom, is he lying? Uh, <laughs> let's see. Let me tell. Uh, yeah, his tell. I think he's, he's lying. All right. Are you ready? Thanks for the visit. Let's get down to business. Now here's your chance to show how much you really know. He might get grumpy if he can't stop you with Brazier's Quiz. All right. Eight, eight questions. you got to get six of eight. This first one's okay. tough. I... I 
I don't know if you're going to get this one. The first one's tough. Uh, your dad graduated from the University of Iowa. Uh, some of these are about your dad. Some of these about you. Your dad graduated from the University of Iowa. Which fraternity was he a member of? Uh, was he Delta Kappa Epsilon? Was he Phi Delta Theta? Was he Alpha Epsilon Pi or Chi Psi? So A oh, is... these are tough. All right, Delta Kappa Epsilon, mm-hmm. Phi Delta Theta, Alpha Epsilon Pi, and Chi Psi. Okay, so I know... I don't know the answer. And I wasn't part of Greek life in my school. So I know nothing about that. So I'm going to make my guess on a basis of where I think you would write the correct answer. Exactly. <laughs> it's the SAT, or the fourth one doesn't sound right. right. The fourth one sounds like uh, some weird type. Yeah, that's, it is that, a real fraternity. These are all real fraternities. Yeah, yeah. That, that, to me, all that right, sounds so you're like taking the D, sort you're taking D out. Ancient meditation art. Yeah, we're taking D out. Give me A and B again. I'm between A and B. All right. Delta Kappa Epsilon, mm-hmm. uh, Deke, or Phi Delta Theta, which is Phi Delta. I'm going to go with A. Oh, Phi Delta. Phi Delta. Oh, All right. I'm B. saying you have it okay. holding up, and you got oh. the answers on oh, the back. sorry. I thought yeah, you were- Knucklehead. All right. He, 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 it's all right. I think not that he would even cheat, because we know he doesn't cheat when he plays poker, but you have the answers staring at him in the this, face. And this is a tough quiz. This is a tougher <laughs> quiz than I, now that I'm thinking about it. All right. All right. No Harry, worries. Harry began calling games in the minor leagues in 1961 after being discharged from the Army. Which team did he call games? The Hawaii Islanders. Yes, Perfect. bang. It was that one over Des Moines Cornstalkers, the, the Oahu Wahoos, the Peoria Pea Shooters, and you were correct. <laughs> it is the Hawaii Islanders. All right. All right. Now, this is, you got to think carefully on this one, okay? I'm giving you a hint. So, you're one for two. How many different World Series did your dad broadcast? How many different World Series did your dad broadcast? And I say think carefully because there was a... Nope. Yeah, something took place because your dad was denied one. Ooh. Am I getting multiple choice on this one? Yeah, yeah so you get okay. two, four, three, or five. Two. It sounds like you don't know how to count. Two, three, four, or five. <laughs> I don't know why I switched it up. <laughs> I felt like if I did it linear, then it would be easier, but okay. obviously it doesn't make any difference. All right. How many <laughs> Fine. Two, two, three, two, three, four, four or five. five. You don't have to say the letter. <laughs> two, three, four, five. What a tool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm going to have to say three. Three is yeah, correct because nice 1980, uh, it went national. They didn't allow the local broadcasters to do it, and there was such public outcry that people wanted to hear your dad that they changed it after that year yeah yep interesting so uh, you know what's funny about the hawaii islanders circling back to that you know who else broadcast for the hawaii islanders of all of all people i mean of all school al michaels really is that right how crazy is that and al michaels and harry callis broadcasting for the hawaii islanders was that a military thing or uh, i don't know okay i'm not sure do you believe in miracles (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. We talked about poker. You're a professional poker player. Who won the first player of the year for the World Series of Poker in 2004? And it's the only player to win more than once. Do you need it? Do you need a... I think I'm. I think I'm. Well, let, pretty, I'll do the names. Okay. Alan Cunningham, Jeff Madsen, Tom Schneider, Daniel Negreanu. I'm going to go with the one you can't pronounce. Daniel Negreanu. Negreanu, yes. Bang. Yeah, there is we correct. You're on right, a roll now. Three for four. You are on a roll. All right. All right. Uh, we mentioned opera singers. Luciano Pavarotti is one of the most famous opera singers in history. What part of Italy is he from? Okay. Is he from Modena, Sardinia, Bologna, or Genoa? <laughs> Bologna. What I say? No, no, it's true. Bologna. I, Bologna, yeah. Yeah, it's Bologna. You get cheese with that in Italy? <laughs> yeah, or, uh... I think you do. 
Bologna. <laughs> All right, let me hear them one more time. Mod- I'm probably butchering these names too. Modena, Sardinia, Bologna, or Genoa. Do you know if I'm butchering any of these names? I, I think you're butchering all, all of them. I, I don't. I don't need to know the names to know you're butchering all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have people from Italy listening to your podcast? It's, there? it's Bologna, not Bologna. Uh, if we did, we don't no longer have it anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, I'm just wondering how you order at an Italian restaurant. I mean, with well, <laughs> maybe number. Should... I'll take the number three. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, I'm going to go with uh, C. Bologna? Bologna. No, it's Modena. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> all right. That's all right. Uh, that would have been the funny answer. I, I would have gotten it if I heard an Italian. Exactly. You know, so, yeah. All right. Uh-huh. You, you were handicapped. Yeah. You are also an accomplished bowler, as we mentioned earlier. In 2010, the International Bowling Museum and Hall of Fame opened in this city after being located for a long time in St. Louis. Where is that new city where the Bowling Hall of Fame is? Is it St. Paul, Minnesota, Ames, Iowa, Arlington, Texas, Milwaukee, Wisconsin? Okay, I'm going to say not Milwaukee, not Texas. What were the first two? Uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, mm-hmm. and Ames, Iowa. Oh, maybe I should put Milwaukee and Texas back on the board. <laughs> yeah, St. Paul, Minnesota. Yeah, put them back on the board. Ames, Iowa. Put them back on the board. John's saying you might put a, might right, want to put them back uh, on the board. Uh, Texas and what? Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or Arlington, Texas? I'm going to say Milwaukee. Arlington, Texas. Oh, man. If you go the next two, if you go the next two, you get the shirt. I get the shirt. There it is. Yeah. Come on now, Cam. Because my butchering of the Italian cities, towns. I should get a freebie there. All right. One of the songs in your new CD, High Hopes, is on the way to Cape May. I better know this one. Who wrote the song? Mm -hmm. Was it Scrapper Blackwell, Clarence Gatemouth Brown, Johnny Ace, or Maurice Buddy Nugent? Buddy. Buddy Nugent. Nugent. There you have it. All right. Then the last question is, you are sitting across the table from the best friend of the Fanatic, but did you know that the Fanatic once had a long visit from a nephew that arrived to Philly from the Galapagos Islands? What was his name? The nephew's name. Was it Fred, Frank, Finn, or Fletcher? It was his nephew, Fred, mm. Frank, Finn, or Fletcher, and I'll allow you to go to Tom, and he can eliminate one of them. Okay. Tom, which I'm one gonna, are you going to eliminate? I'm going to use my lifeline. Uh, let's see. Uh, let me eliminate the one that you might have gone with. So let's, what are the- uh, Fred, Frank, Finn, or Fletcher? I'll say eliminate Frank. All right. So now you're down to Fred, Finn, and Fletcher. Fred? Finn. And Fred is spelled with a PH. They're all spelled with a PH. They're all spelled with a PH. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to go with Finn. <laughs> oh, no. What? Wait, it's Fred. Wait, it's I was, Fred. I was trying to give you a little. <laughs> the, fact, the fact that Tom came in and said one spelled with a PH, I'm like, oh, it has to be that. Oh, my God. Fred. Uh, and guess well, what? Gonna, you gonna, know what? I'm going to have to Let's buy Let's give him Because you gave yeah. us a, copies of your CD, which will be available uh, yeah. On Thursday, April 6th, yeah. in the New Era store, mm-hmm. right? Again, it's Kane Cows, the Diva Jazz Orchestra. Also has, as you mentioned, the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Joe, Joe Conklin. Conklin on there. And you have Take Me Out to the Ball Game, which leads off the CD, right? All of Me. I've Never Been in Love Before. On the Way to Cape May. Can we get a little bit of On the Way to Cape May? On the Way to Cape May. Dun, 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 dun. I fell in love with you. Next, uh, what? Luck Be a Lady? Now you got Luck Be a Lady, French Foreign Legion. This is the moment, guys and dolls, on the street where you live. High hopes, little high hopes. 
<laughs> Next time you're down with your chin on the ground, there's a lot to be learned. So look around. Ah, it's a guy who can sing, John. How you about make, that? You huh? make me feel so young. If ever oh, I would I leave you song. the way you look tonight. Mm. Great, great tunes. <laughs> what's 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 number fourteen? <laughs> Fuego? <laughs> I, I wanted you, I wanted you, oh, to, I wanted you to butcher it, not me. I'm actually I'm actually curious if you guys had ever heard my dad sing a fugue for tin horns from, fugue for from tin guys and dolls. <laughs> wait, wait, no. what did you say? Fuego. Fuego. <laughs> it's fugue? <Yeah. laughs> oh my. Just like just like Genoa Italy. Right? Oh, so <laughs> wait, that, uh, Harry, that was I'm, one I'm of curious his? if you yeah. guys ever heard my dad sing. No. I got the horse right here. The name is Paul Revere, and here's a guy that says if the weather's clear. So my dad used to enjoy the the horse track, and yeah. every oh, right, time right. we'd go, that? it yeah, would be yeah. fugue for tin horns from Guys and Dolls. Oh, that's classic. Yeah, classic. Then, <laughs> do you remember? Was Harry part of that? Remember we went to uh, it was harness racing, and it was Vuk, Johnny Padres, Fragosi, and I think Harry went on that trip. They actually. And they actually got in the harness race as like a um, yeah right a celebrity as a celebrity race right racers yeah uh, he definitely loved the dog track and the horse yeah right track uh, you got the Eagles victory song uh, you got Edelweiss, Edelweiss which is obviously must have awesome. been a big sound of music fan yeah right uh, Bridge Over Troubled Water we talked about that and then it ends with Good Night My Someone. Yeah. Wow. Good stuff, Kane. Kane, good luck with this. It's really cool that it's available here starting Thursday, opening day. We're all excited for opening day. Really excited to have you here for that again, too. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. And uh, yeah, the CD will be available here at the New Era stores. But if you're more of a vinyl guy, you can order that on my website, kanecallis.com backslash store. And it was a lot of fun. Awesome. All right. All right. Well, thanks again, Kane. John, we're signing off. Uh, let's get him on Thursday. We could use the win. And uh, we'll see you all next time on Phillies Backstage.